Ever feel like you're living the same day over and over? If mom life feels like an exhausting whirlwind of laundry, dinner, driving, and frustration on repeat, you're not alone. For every other thing we do in life, there's training. But for the most important job, we're just figuring it out as we go. Mom University is here to change that. It will give you the skills and education to break free of old patterns and be a leader in your home. Thanks for enrolling in Mom U. Class is about to start. Hello and welcome to Mom University. I'm your host, Chanel Nielsen, and I'm joined today by Crystal Hotsma. Crystal, is that how you pronounce your last name? It's Heitzma. It doesn't Heitzma. look like it's spelled. Heitzma. Yeah. Okay. I usually try to ask before we record, but here we go. We were chatting about other things, which we'll get into because Crystal lives an exciting life. So <laughs> that's it is, what it is wild. Yeah. It is wild. So I am excited to podcast with you today. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad you're going to be a part of Mom University, which we will talk about. But before we get into all of that, let's talk about you and uh, just introduce yourself to our audience. For sure. Um, I'm from Canada. I am a homeschooling mom. I have been homeschooling for 11 years, which is wild. My oldest is um, in grade 12 slash he's actually doing some online college courses. He's been doing that for just over a year. Um, well, we travel because we're traveling full time right now with our family of six. So we are trying to make it all the way around the globe. We started in Canada and then our, well, I guess our first flight was to New York and then we went to Europe for a few months. And so while we're recording this podcast, we're in Asia, we're in Indonesia right now. And, um, I'm like staring out the window into the jungle while I'm <laughs> recording this podcast episode. It has been, um, so different than we had ever imagined, but also awesome. Um, and a lot harder than I thought, actually, I imagined it would just be like, just lovely all the time. But, um, traveling with four kids is difficult, especially when you're doing it full time. Um, so that's a little bit about my, the fun side of my life, I guess the business side of my life would be that I'm a certified life coach. Um, I did a degree in psychology and then I was looking for a master's program, um, planning on becoming a therapist, which I, I kind of always wanted to do, um, which is weird. I've wanted to do it since I was like 14. <laughs> um, even though I'd never even been to a therapist, I didn't even know much about it, but I just intuitively knew that that was my path and I, and it just happened. So anyways, I was looking um, towards the mental health field and I stumbled across the life coach school and I loved their concept and their ideology and I decided to become a life coach and it has been a perfect fit for me. Um, I've done some trainings through um, Brene Brown and some somatic trainings and um, so I've been now kind of just adding different, different things, aspects to my coaching for the last few years. Um, so I've been doing that since 2019 and, um, my favorite thing, well, I shouldn't say my favorite cause I have so many favorites. One of my favorite things to coach on is parenting. So I have the parenting coach podcast. Um, I love to talk about conscious parenting and attachment based parenting and how we can have a more connection based and shame free, um, family and why that's good for our kids. But I also really love to speak on things like intuition and, um, creating the life that we desire and living it like I'm doing right now. Um, so yeah, I guess, I guess that's pretty much everything. That's, that's me in a three minute nutshell. Okay. I love it. So what do you think drew you to, to this idea, to therapy, coaching, that mm. kind of thing? Like what about it appeals to you? So honestly, it really was my intuition. I took an options class that sounded interesting in high school called psychology. And I was like, oh, this will be cool. It wasn't even a very good teacher, but I just felt called to take it. And as I was reading through the textbook while the teacher was like talking about something, because it really wasn't a very entertaining class, I was reading through the textbook and I just knew, like literally it was like a message to my heart of like, this, this is your, this is your future. 
I didn't know why. And I never once questioned it after that. Like it just always felt good. The more I learned about it. Um, and I think the thing I love so much is I love to understand human behavior. I love to see people communicate with each other and connect with each other. And I love to be looking at that and kind of analyzing, like, why do they respond in that way? Right. My daughter totally had this huge meltdown last night. And I was thinking about it afterwards. And I was like, I wonder what spurned that because on the outside, we just see this huge meltdown, but it was so fascinating me to me to figure out what the root behind that was, which is shame. And it usually is shame. And it was for her last night too. So, um, that's why I love Brene Brown. Cause she, that's, that's her MO. She talks about shame all the time, but, um, yeah, I think it's just the curiosity of why do we do what we do and, um, helping people to remember that healing isn't like I'm broken. So now I need healing, but it's, I am actually whole and amazing and enough, which is the opposite of the message that shame is giving us. And we just need to remember that. And I think healing is just being in spaces where we can continuously remember that. Oh, I love that. Okay. That's so cool. It always is interesting to me to hear, you know, what makes people tick? Like why, mm -hmm. why something appealed to you? Because a lot of, you know, people sometimes end up in the same career path or whatever for different reasons. And I love that this was an intuitive step for you and that you've brought that into your coaching as well. Like that, that's something mm -hmm. that you then turn around and teach to other people. So I think that's really, yeah. Cool. I also should add that I, the, my journey here was really long. Like it went through a lot of like a decade or more of really, really, really struggling in my parenting. I'm not one of those parenting coaches. That's like, this is easy. And let me show you how easy this is. I don't know if there's anybody out there like that, but <laughs> I, um, I really, really, really struggled. I have several neurodivergent kids with, um, high function, high functioning, autism, ADHD, anxiety. And at the time we didn't know, but, um, just huge meltdowns, like so much more than just a regular tantrum and really, 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 really difficult behavior. And that's kind of what led me to my own healing to my own, like, why is this triggering me so much? And why is this so difficult? And how can I support myself more? And um, realizing how intrinsically connected my behavior and my reactions and my kids' behavior and their reactions were. And um, anyway, so that that really was my journey was actually one of my kiddos that really put me on that path of like, this is not working. We need to find another way. And then finding that other way and, you know, changing things. And uh, that's what I help others to do now. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I wanted to talk about one of the things that you say is modern parenting is based on brain development, connection, and attachment. So mm -hmm. I was really curious, at, like how so? Why are those the things that you call out as the elements of parenting, brain development, connection, and attachment? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so modern parenting really is people that are understanding what traditional parenting is, right? Generational parenting that's been passed down to us, which is a lot of spanking, yelling, shaming, you know, children should be seen and not heard. Or even if you've moved beyond that, you're still very much like, this is me in my life and this is how I want things to be in my home. And now I'm going to train you to be able to fit into this environment that I would like or whatever. So um, it's it, a lot of it is um, consequences and behaviors like it's behavior-based rewards and punishments focused. And I feel like for modern parenting, it's really noticing all of that and kind of noticing, like, I don't really love the way that that feels. I don't really love doing that, but what is this new way? Like how, how can I change things? And sometimes we swing way too far over into like passiveness where we're just like, okay, well, I don't want that, but like, let's just like let our kids do whatever. And that's not it either. I think it's this lovely center space of 
holding really compassionate boundaries, um, but knowing that most of our teaching for our kids is going to come through um, us modeling that. Um, and the reason I called out brain development is because we often have much, much, much higher expectations of our kids than is actually like physiologically appropriate for what they're going through. And we don't even necessarily notice that consciously. But one of my favorite activities is to get people to write down like in a dream world, like what would my kid look like? Like, what would they do? What would that life be like? And as they go through that list and then read back through it, almost every single time they notice that those expectations are even more than their behavior. They're like, I want my kids to listen the first time. I want them not to freak out so much. And when they are freaking out, I want them to figure out how to like calm themselves down and just like, you know, go into the other room, calm themselves down and then come back out. I want them to apologize, you know, immediately or whatever. So we have all this list of what we would love to have happen, but we don't even behave that way. Like we don't even um, model the behavior that we want to see because oftentimes we don't know how. So I think it's brain development. And then I think as we allow space and time for that brain development to grow, the connection piece is so huge because having a secure attachment is what creates things like emotional intelligence. If you want emotionally intelligent children, it comes from having a secure attachment with a secure caregiver that's modeling emotionally intelligent behavior. And um, that really is what I think modern parenting is. And I think that's what this like movement of people is being drawn to and wanting. I think we just struggle with the how-to often. Yeah. We do, for sure. There's so many things in there that I want to dive into. So one is this idea of compassionate boundaries. First of all, I hear that and I just like, oh, I, I want that. Like that's just, I, it resonates with me. I get that, what that means. And I want to understand it better in real life. So tell me mm -hmm. an example of what that could look like in, you know, with your kids or with clients' kids, how do you set and maintain compassionate boundaries? Yeah, I think that's a good question because I think lots of times in boundary setting, then we're like, okay, well then if they don't uphold this boundary or whatever that I want, then I'm going to punish them or give them a reward if they do or whatever. Like we go back to rewards and punishments because we're very behavior-based in our parenting approach often because that's what was modeled to us. So um, one of my favorite quotes is there is a yes in compassion and there is also a no said with the same courage of heart. And I think that's Jack Cornfield, but I loved that we think compassion is always yes, 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 yes. Compassion is a lot of yes. And compassion is so much love, but compassion is also no. It is not compassionate for me to let my child play video games all day long and eat junk food all day long and never sleep at night because they don't want to, right? Of course they don't want to. All of those things are huge dopamine hits. Like they're not going to want to developmentally and because of all the dopamine. So, uh, but I understand like, oh, as a caregiver that wants to provide a healthy environment for infant, environment for them. I know what's going to be healthiest for them. So how can I maintain this boundary? Well, also having room and flexibility and not being so firm. So it's like those firm beliefs loosely held. Mm -hmm. And I love, um, I don't remember who that, who said that quote, but I love that idea of like, okay, so what are the most important things for me? So for me, it's like physical safety, emotional safety, right? So we're not going to, you know, punch people when we're angry. That might be a boundary that you have in your home. That also might still happen, especially if you have a neurodiverse kid, or if you have a toddler, it's probably going to happen. So what am I going to do if that does happen, right? We have this boundary of we have our own physical space and bubble and we don't 
you know, hit other people when we're angry. And so I'm just going to reaffirm that. I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say, I know you're really feeling angry. I feel like I want to hit everybody when I'm mad too. And your kids need to hear that. Your kids don't think that you feel angry like they do. They don't, they, they often feel so much shame come up because they don't understand that the feelings that they're feeling are normal feelings and that you're feeling them also, right? So we can match that and say like, I can totally tell that you're feeling so much frustration. This is what frustration feels like for me. And I also feel frustration, but we also can't hit, right? And that might mean like you, you know, taking the other child away with you, not a timeout, but like, let's go and take a break here. Or maybe it's you taking the other children out so that that child can calm down. Um, I really like to lean into my intuition in that moment and decide like what feels comfortable and safe here, but it's not, um, now you are grounded for the week. Now you lose your cell phone for the day. Now let me take away your favorite toy, right? That is the only reason those quote unquote work is because we don't want that to happen. And so out of fear, we decide to amend our behavior. But we don't want our children amending their behavior out of fear because that's not long-term. That's not teaching them the principle behind it. Um, yeah. I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah. But. No, it did. It's so good. I'm actually, I'm writing down a lot of things. I'm learning a lot because I feel like I definitely, as a parent, I tend toward, okay, well, what is the consequence? And mm-hmm. consequence often, it, it, it at its most basic comes down to, you know, reward or punishment in yeah. You know, we can call it a consequence all day long and there yes. are consequences, right? But often it is when it's a contrived consequence that yes. is pre, pre-deciding, you know, this punishment. And I love this idea of just that quote, firm beliefs loosely held is, and this mm-hmm. idea of compassionate boundaries. I think that's really mm-hmm. powerful. Um, I also loved what you talked about, about having our expectations too high. I think that that's really mm-hmm. powerful. Um, I think we see it a lot too in society. Like, um, you know, if, when I bring, when my kids were younger and I brought them out, like people expect your kids to just be silent, you know, or just, yeah. you know, at the grocery store, not running and whatever. And their kids, they're wiggly, they're moving, they're looking, they're touching, like that's how they experience the world. And then sometimes mm-hmm. we as parents internalize that, oh, everyone's looking, oh, this, they, they should mm-hmm. be better behaved when in reality, that's not the case. So I love that concept of expectations. It's just allowing our kids to actually be themselves all the time. And that's what I mean by brain development, right? Is like, what is normal and natural for a child? And how can I let them live an actual childhood instead of trying to create so many boundaries? Usually we have too many boundaries. And like you mentioned, consequences, the only natural consequence that's actually natural is something that happens without your intervention. You have to do nothing for that to happen. And so Um, I love thinking about what am I really trying to teach behind this? Like, why do I want to put in this consequence? Because I remember reading a study in a book one time that talked about kids where they were rewarding them for reading. And first, first of all, like a lot of kids were reading more, but after a couple of months, it dropped off. And even the kids that used to enjoy reading were reading less and the kids that had been excited about it weren't anymore. And then you have to either up the reward or change things or switch things around. Right. We, that's not what we want. We don't want a short-term you know, learning. We want them to learn something deeply. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I love that. Um, one other thing I want to go a little deeper on, cause I thought this was really fascinating is the idea that emotional intelligence comes from attachment. This is mm-hmm. something I don't, 
I want to know more about. So tell me a little bit more about that connection or maybe why that attachment leads to that emotional intelligence. Help me understand mm -hmm. the, the link there. The connection. Yeah. So most of us want emotionally intelligent children as adults, right? Like when we think of them in the future, when I ask people, I'll be at a speaking event and I'll ask them things like, what do you want for your kids? They always say the same things, right? It's like, I want them to be responsible. I want them to have compassion and empathy for other people. I want them to be self-regulated, which might at the time feel like this is never going to happen. Um, right. There's, there's things that we all kind of want. And I think that kind of sums up what emotional intelligence is. It's being able to notice feelings inside myself, process through them, use them to interact with people in a really healthy way. Um, and, you know, treat myself and other people in a healthy mental and emotional way. So I think that's kind of what emotional intelligence means in a nutshell. And uh, we often wonder like, well, how do we get that? Can we like teach that? Can we like send them a course? Can we do whatever? Yeah. But everything that we taught, if you think, even if you think about things that you've learned that really stuck with you, that really changed you for life, often you learn them from somebody else that was like a mentor or a guide or somebody that you loved and you were connected to, and you saw them model that in their life, especially when we're little, right? We learn through modeling. That's how we learn things. So people can say all they want all day long, right? Like, don't be unkind to your sister and like, like, don't freak out or whatever, but we don't really listen to what people say. We see what it is that they do. And that's what we end up modeling over the years. So self-regulation, which is the ability to feel the whole spectrum of emotions and come back to calm again, and to not be completely overtaken by that emotion. As far as my behavior goes to be able to still maintain how I want to in my behavior and not have it completely taken over by that temporary emotion. That's what I think of um, self-regulation. That's what we want for our kids. And that's emotional intelligence. And it's taught through co-regulation. And I feel like nobody's ever talking about this. They're just like, here, let's teach and talk and tell, tell your kids how to box breathe. And I started um, researching it and everything I was reading was like, it's taught through co-regulation. So co-regulation means an adult that's securely attached, that's modeling their own self-regulation in that moment. Not that's not freaking out because yeah, our brains are probably going to freak out when our kids freak out. That's what we do as humans. But how do I bring myself back down to calm to then be able to hold the space for their big emotion, to hold the space for as long as it takes to be there for as long as it's going to take to, for them to diffuse that frustration that they have inside, which is going to happen. And so then over the years, they learn how to do that on their own by themselves, but it's like a spectrum, right? Like it takes a long time for them to build this. Our brains are developing until our like late twenties, early thirties. So it's a, it's a lifelong process that we're learning and it's built through this co-regulation piece. It's built through what am I modeling to them? Am I modeling empathy, kindness, compassion, acceptance? If I'm not, if they say me just like say that that's important, but then interact with everybody else around me in a completely opposite way, then I'm not teaching them that. That's so powerful because how often do we hear, you know, that we need to be an example for our kids and we know it. it intuitively, we know that we need to, but I love how you've just kind of broken it down of, well, this is, this is why that matters. And this is actually how we teach that. And so if we often, you know, whatever parenting training that I've done, we go to parenting classes or whatever thinking mm -hmm. fix my kid and, yes right and then what do we get taught yeah. over there fix yourself fix yourself and this is why why that piece matters you fix yourself to 
model to your child what's possible. Right. We're so willing to spend money on like therapy for our kids, right? Like when I was dealing with all of this with my child, I was just like, let me find them a really good therapist or some medication or like something like some external thing that will help my child. But the thing that helped the most was me changing, was my healing, was me investing in myself. And then my child just completely changed their behavior, not short term nothing, nothing changed short term. Let me tell you, it took a very long time. I'm going to say about a year later, I started to look back and notice, wait, there's huge changes that have happened in the last year, like leaps and bounds from the years before. And this is with the neurodiverse kids with, with a lot of diagnoses with no medication and no therapy to see such a huge change in their behavior. And this works with neurotypical kids also, you know, obviously by what I, we just talked about emotional intelligence being, but, um, it's hugely important to be the one and not, and I don't like to shame people into like, you're doing it wrong. So you need to find the right way. Um, not from that, but from, I, I want to change. I want to grow. I want to learn. I want to heal. How can I do that? So that I, because I know that that is what will support my child in the best way. Well, honestly, it's, it's empowering to hear because you can't mm-hmm. change your kid. And if, if you're, you've ever tried, it's an exercise in frustration, right? Mm-hmm. You are trying to change that kid mm-hmm. so hard and they are not changing, but you can't yeah. change yourself. And so that's empowering to know, okay, I can do something that will make a difference. So a I would love if you could give us a glimpse into what the process was like for you. Like if you, if you feel comfortable, kind of what needed to change in you and then how did that look, you know, how did you do things then versus now? Now. So, um, you might not be experiencing behaviors as extreme as maybe were in our house. Um, we were getting to the point where I was like, we might need some really, um, intensive care in our home because it was so extreme. So at the time I'm, my child was probably about nine and a meltdown would last for hours and it would happen at least once, if not more than once every day. And this was not a young child. They were like nine or 10 and, um, it would be destroying furniture inside their room. It would be like knocking over bunk beds, holes in the walls. Like this was very, in my mind, very extreme. And I was just like, okay how can we, how can we be safe here? Like physically and emotionally safe in this space. And so at the time I really thought it was my child. In fact, I had an argument over email with the therapist that I was trying to hire. She was an attachment-based therapist because at the time I knew I loved attachment parenting, but I was like, but also my child's the problem. And she was like, I only work with the parents. And I was like, no, no, no. But in this case, you're going to have to work with my child. She was like, but I, and I was like, no, 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 no. So I finally convinced her to have our first session in my home so that she could just like see what was going on. She didn't talk to him at all. And she didn't even look at any of it. Like she, she just, the whole conversation was with me, but there was just a few things that she said that started to shift it. One was the brain development. One was noticing like there might be some neurodiversity here. And so it might be that this is behavior that's going to last a while. Like it might not just go away. So what are you going to do if this is behavior when he's 15, when he's 17, when he's 19. And for a moment I hated that she said that I'm going to tear up, but I hated it. Cause I just thought I, I need this to change. I can't handle this. But then I also thought, how do I want to be if this is, if this is our life forever, 
how do I want to show up for him? And so all I decided to change was me. And I, the next time there was a meltdown and he went into his room or whatever, I just made sure that there wasn't anything in there that I really cared about being ruined. And I just went into my room and cried because there wasn't anything else that I could do, but I didn't respond in the moment. I didn't freak out. Like I usually do that made him freak out more. And I just allowed myself some space and I did that over and over and over and over again. I would try to close my mouth as quickly as I could. I would try to leave the situation as much as I could, making it, making sure that it was safe. And um, I would just be with myself. And in those moments, I still felt a lot of shame, a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, but I didn't take it out on him. I just took a break. That's it. It was like so simple. At this time, I had no idea about emotional regulation. I don't even think I knew what that was. I didn't know any of the things that I know now. I had had been a stay-at-home mom for years and hadn't gone to school for a long time. And I wasn't like reading a lot about this. So I didn't really have any how-tos at that moment. And when I did read the books, I didn't feel like they helped me anyways. Um, and so over time, I just started to shift and started to change. And after that year, I noticed such a huge difference. And I realized that like it was really my reaction and my emotions that would affect how then he responded. Mm -hmm. And underlying, I think what he was dealing with was also shame and that would exacerbate everything. So really what I think I was doing was trying to mitigate that shame a little bit in my response. So I wasn't adding more onto what he was already feeling. And so then fast forward and this happened to another child going through the same thing, same age, um, uh, probably the seven to 10 range. I then knew what a big difference it made. So I knew how to respond in that moment. So again, I would just kind of take myself away from the situation. Um, but while this is happening, I'm finally learning a little bit more about coaching and a little bit more about therapy and emotions and thoughts and feelings and all of this. And um, so then I started to be able to shift even a little bit more where I knew how to then regulate myself. So I wasn't just like freaking out in the other room and still angry when my child came out. Um, so fast forward, fast forward to now, I would say the difference is that I'm just not as triggered. Like when my children do whatever it is that they do, I don't feel such intense emotions anymore because of the healing work that I've done. And I'm not frequently as triggered and not intensely as triggered. And when I am, I'm mostly not all the time for sure, but I'm mostly able to remove myself, calm myself down, sometimes not even remove myself, but sit there and just you know, breathe and feel and notice. Like last night I was feeling triggered, not by my kids, by my husband. And I was just like, why am I so frustrated about this? And I was just sitting in the same room. We were just eating or whatever. And I just asked myself that question. Like what really deep down is frustrating me so much about this? And underneath it all, because now I can do it pretty quickly. I got to like, I'm feeling unsupported. And if I'm unsupported, then maybe I'm unloved. And if I'm unloved and unsupported, then maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I'm not enough. And I'm not enough is shame. That is that is the phrase of shame. And as soon as I could get down to that, I could feel the sadness of that. And as soon as I felt the sadness of that, the frustration released, the sadness released, the frustration released. And I felt so much better. And I still, I'm going to have a conversation about like what needs to happen and, you know, changing, shifting things and stuff for sure, but not from the same energy or the same emotion. And, um, yeah, that's, I think that would be the biggest difference of here then and now. Yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing that. I feel like there's so much in there that we can learn from and just, it's so powerful. I love it. I, I'm so excited that you are going to be at Mom University and teach us Me more. Um, so you guys who are coming to Mom University will have the opportunity to hear from Crystal and so excited. So I would also love it if you can share where people can learn more about your coaching and working with you. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So um, one of the huge tenets of my coaching that I teach people to do is intuition. So what does intuition feel like in my body? How can I tap into my intuition? How can I trust myself more and love myself more? Um, so right now I'm helping people through a program called Creation Room, where we're creating whatever it is that we want this year, whether that's relationships or um, that's more wealth or changes in our business or whatever it is. Um, so you can come join Creation Room if you'd like to work with me now. I'm also, I'm going to be taking on a few one-on-one -on -one clients. I have a program called Parent School that I do every once in a while. I have haven't been doing it while I'm traveling because um, of time zones, but um, that may or may not come back in the future. Um, but the best way to get support from me right now is my podcast, the Parenting Coach Podcast with Crystal and Instagram. I'm the.parenting.coach. Um, I love, I respond personally to each of my DMs. So if you're like, this is what I'm struggling with, I will send you a message back and give you a thought work, emotion work tip to help you kind of get that little get that little support that you need right now. So, um, that I needed so much back then. I'm like, where was I all of those years? People always tell me that, like, I wish I found you earlier. And I'm like, I wish I found myself earlier. <laughs> I would have been so helpful. Um, but those are all the ways besides coming to mom university and seeing me live, I will give you a giant hug. I'm so excited to be there. And, um, we can learn about all of this together, intuition, connection-based parenting, whatever you want to know. Um, I am excited to talk about it all. Oh, perfect. Well, thank you for that. I, you know, you didn't know it earlier, but the process that you've been through to learn it just elevates all of the things that you're teaching anyway. So that was part of the journey. And I think it's yes. fantastic that you're doing what you're doing. I love the things we've talked about today. Super powerful. So Crystal, thank you for being here. Thank you everyone for listening. We hope you'll join both of us at mom university in yes. April and we'll see you there. Bye. See you then. Thanks for listening. If you're a mom whose days feel like Groundhog's Day and you find yourself wondering what you're doing it all for, join us at our in-person Mom University event. You'll get the support, tools, and help to become the mom you want to be. For details, go to universityformoms.com.